welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. <laughs> I'm Drew. We're going down under this week. <laughs> sure. I know that much. Okay. I, I, we're For those gonna... of you who have read the title of this episode already, we are watching Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the UK tour. Yes, live from the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Yep. A very familiar sight for us by now. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and one we would urge anyone to go in and check out. Yeah, it's a lovely theatre. Yeah, beautiful theatre. And we love everybody who works there. Well, I, I think this is the thing. The few times we've been... Mm-hmm. Like oh, since theatres are reopened, we've actually had quite a wide range of seats from bed knobs and broomsticks. We're sat like second row mm-hmm. from School of Rock where we are front and centre, play that goes wrong. Wherever it seems we're sat, we get a great view. Yeah, that's true. And we've never had any sightline problems. No. And if you compare it to other shows that we've been to. Especially West End Theatre. Yeah. Where you have a bigger theatre for a larger audience, but worse views. Yeah. Like... When we saw Be More Chill, mm-hmm. we had front row seats, which was great. However, because of the way the stage was, it's quite large, it meant we actually couldn't see anything further back on stage. Yeah. And I know that I've had that issue with Cursed Child, where I've been in the stalls, but right at the back of the stalls, and the way that the balcony goes, you actually can't then see the top of the stage Mm -hmm. and thus far wherever we've sat we've got a great view of all the action Mm -hmm. which i think is is really really important and makes for a much better visit yeah so yes we are going down under via the new victoria theater as we go see priscilla queen of the desert Mm -hmm. what makes priscilla the queen is my biggest question you tell me. What kind of queen do you think it's referring to? Oh, I know to? they're drag queens. Exactly. So is Priscilla the name of one of our main drag queen characters? <laughs> oh, I see. Like, is Priscilla the main character that we're following in this? Mm-hmm. Is Priscilla... It might sound stupid. I don't know my Australian geography that well. Mm-hmm. Is Priscilla a place in Australia that they're travelling to? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is it a big stage, a big set piece that they, they go to? They perform at Priscilla, which is known as the Queen of the Desert. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm very intrigued to find out. It's inspired by a film. Yes, indeed. I have never seen the film. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know actually who is in the film. We have. Hugo Miss- Weaving. Yes. Mr. Yep. Smith. From the Matrix, Elrond from Lord of the Rings. I was going to say Elrond, sorry. And V in V for Vendetta. Oh, cool. I like Hugo Weaving. I think he has a really good like gravitas. Obviously, he's not going to be in the uh, the version we're watching today. Yeah. So, well, it was Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce, and Terence Stamp. Okay. Oh, I know Terence Stamp. I know who they are as well. But this was a film before it was a musical. Mm-hmm. I know that much that it's one of those uh, very much in the same vein as School of Rock, a successful film that is then picked up and uh, created as a stage experience. Yeah. I know that it's a jukebox musical. 
mm-hmm. that has big pop hits. Yeah. I'm pretty certain it has Go West. Yeah. In that I've been singing Go West for like over a week. I just thought that was the train line advert got stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. But it has that one. I I am really hopeful that it has I Come From A Land Down Under. <laughs> it does not. I'm sorry. Okay, well, because it's Australian, the next hope I have is that it has some Kylie Minogue in then. Mm-hmm. Because, like, she's the real queen of Australia. It's Kylie Minogue Australia. Yeah, she started on Neighbours. That doesn't mean anything. She started on Neighbours with Jason Donovan. Sure. That's cool. And I know that Jason Donovan is the producer for this. Yes, indeed. Having once starred in it was the originator of the role? No. So... Okay. Well, kind of, because originally when they were casting for this film, they wanted Jason film Donovan... Film stage show? For the film. Okay. When they were casting for the film, they wanted Jason Donovan to play Tick. Okay. Who is one of our main characters. And they wanted Rupert Everett... For the other character. and <laughs> You like Rupert Everett. I love Rupert Everett, but they introduced the two of them and apparently they did not get on and were openly hostile to each other and everyone around them on set. So they were very quickly uh, agreed that they would not be suitable for the part. However, Jason Donovan did go on to play Tick in the West End. And on the original UK tour. Yes. That's very cool. So... Producing this obviously a different challenge, but maybe much more of a personal project. You know, I enjoyed this. I want to bring this to a whole new generation who have never seen Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Mm-hmm. And especially with the success of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. I would say that drag is bigger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. This feels like a show to carry that momentum with. Yeah. Maybe Kinky Boots would have been a better choice. I don't know. I remember not enjoying Kinky Boots. You did not enjoy Kinky Boots. And I think the reason for that was... I mean, I've talked about it. It was just the fact that Charlie becomes such an unlikable character. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to back your hero or your protagonist when they do something that is so unforgivable. Yeah. You know, Dewey Finn does a lot of bad things. Mm-hmm. but nothing as unforgivable as what Charlie does to Lola. Yeah. So for me, that that takes a lot of appeal. I really hope there's nothing problematic like that with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> Good luck with that. Okay. That's all I have to say to you. The only other thing I definitely know about this production is that during lockdown last year, there was some controversy attached to the staging of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that the day it was supposed to open originally at Woking happened to be the day that all the theatres closed back in March 2020. Yeah. So the production was already up and going. Yeah. But I know that during lockdown, I remember seeing on Twitter some controversy attached to the casting of this show. Yeah. I cannot remember the specifics, and I'm sure you will be able to tell me that. Absolutely can. What happened? So, when the show was being cast, allegedly, my favourite word, 
Allegedly, they did an open casting call for the character of Bernadette, who is not a drag queen. She is trans. Okay. And she's a trans woman who has been living as a trans woman, but also performing as what they refer to as a female impersonator, despite the fact that she is a trans character. Is she a drag queen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've had trans drag queens. But that's what I'm saying is why why are we not all the time. just calling her a drag queen then as opposed to a female impersonator? That feels quite... Oh, because of what, when this is set. Okay. Is not. Is this set back in the day? Yeah, in like a super unclear way because based on when it's supposed to be physically set, a lot of the songs that they use shouldn't exist yet. Oh, but... so we're going to have some anachronistic details in this yeah. one Excellent. which we love anyway however when they were casting the character of bernadette who is a trans woman they did open casting and they invited a lot of trans performers to audition for that role cool i mean that sounds promising watch this crumble down wouldn't that allegedly nice? allegedly and allegedly they also when they opened it up sent off to a lot of agents and were like, oh, if you have any trans performers, we'd love to see them for this role. They were not specific that they were looking for trans women. Yeah. So a lot of trans men got auditions for this role and were like, what? No. Specifically for Bernadette. Yeah. And then they did their casting. And after making a really big, loud, public deal of who they wanted to Uh, cast and how they wanted to cast their show and have it be inclusive and open to actors who are actually trans women they then cast a cis man to play bernadette which is a historical issue with this show and with the film because terence stamp in the film plays bernadette and he is a cis straight man yeah now the other issue that we fall into with the movie is that all three of the leads are straight men who talked very openly about how proud and privileged they were to have the roles that they got in the film, including Terence Stamp, who said that he couldn't believe that he was suddenly a gay icon, but that, and this is a quote, he said, one of my strengths as a performer is that I've got this naturally developed feminine side. So it was a chance for me to knowingly explore that. Like, okay. Not the same thing, my dude. No. I mean, they also used the wrong trans to describe the character in the film. It's not good. Yeah. But... We then have Guy Pearce, who was playing another character in the film, one of our three leads, who in 2018, when the wider conversation of having straight cis actors play roles that are LGBTQ+, he, for some reason, felt like he needed to join in with this conversation. And in a interview, he was asked the question of like why do you think it's okay for straight actors to play gay roles and he said he does think it's dangerous to not let just anybody play these roles so he thinks anyone should be able to play lgbtq plus roles and then he said i feel like in any of this stuff you have to take in each actor's personal situation and then trailed off and was like "Mm, yeah didn't want to talk about it 
Yeah. And I think this is something we have to call out. Absolutely. We've talked about it with James Corden previously. But this is the thing is we are not the only people that called out James Corden or at least discussed James Corden with it. It was all over the internet. Loads of people Mm. criticising it. And the conversation does need to be had nowadays with it because there are plenty of LGBTQ plus actors out there who would be perfect for these roles. And the fact that they've had this casting call and then they leave it with the status quo. Yeah. And and looking at Miles Weston's CV, they're a phenomenal performer, some great roles that they've, you know, been a part of. Like I'm sure would be a very talented performer in any show. But when we're talking about a show where you are specifically looking for a trans woman. Yeah. Should a cis male be getting that role? No. Mm-hmm. The issue is the producers of the show did an interview to address the backlash yes. about Miles Weston. Oh, so they actually referenced it then? Yeah, they openly talked about it. They did interviews for it. And this interview is through broadwayworld.com. And they released this statement saying the original cast was done in 2019 and the tour was interrupted, obviously, by the pandemic. When they originally cast the production, they auditioned trans performers, but despite seeing talent, did not find anybody suitable for any role in our production. Any role. Well, then the answer is very simple. This is not the show that you should be putting on. Yes. Imagine the conversation being held with Hairspray and saying we couldn't find any characters Mm. that had the right talent, so we just cast a white person instead. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, you shouldn't be doing that show if you can't find the right people to play these roles. However, they had a whole year in between to do some more casting. And they said, however... As some of our cast were not returning to resume their roles after the pandemic, gave us the opportunity to expand our casting process. So this time we cl- included an open casting call for trans performers because on other shows we have had success with open casting calls. Now this is where it was just a cattle call. They yeah. called everybody and were like, hey, we're looking for trans performers. They were looking for performers who could act, dance and sing, but they didn't need any previous experience. And they were searching for somebody who could join them and following their open audition process, they hired a trans performer called Ali Daniel. And they said, we are delighted that Ali Daniel will join the company as part of the ensemble, a role previously performed by a cis female actor and acting as one of our understudies to the role of Bernadette. We chose Ali not because she was transgender, but because she was the best actor for the role. We are aware that for some people, casting cis performers in the role of a trans character does not sit well. However, we believe that inclusivity extends to all members of the company and that all roles are open to everyone. Personally, I don't think that's how that works, but whatever. They said, as producers, we're very happy with our casting process and the excellent performers that we have for our show. Now, obviously, we are going to see this. I would like to make an opening statement that to say that I do not support casting cis actors in the role of trans characters. 
look at what happened to Jagged Little Pill. It's not going to be good or pretty. And Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, has a severe history of not taking into account that your lead role is a trans woman. Yeah. And having a cis man play that character is never going to show the depth that that character should have. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're obviously... You know, on this show, we cover a lot of musicals. We talk about a lot of musicals, but we also talk about some very serious commentary on the world around us. Mm -hmm. And I hope we add positive conversation for all. This is a positive thing we need to talk about, that we need to be casting the right performers for the right roles. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if you don't have a trans performer to play this role, you have no place doing this show. Yeah. Do you, you know w- why, though? This is the issue, is that they don't want a trans actress to play this role because they don't want whoever they cast to pass as a woman. Because this character is inherently transphobic okay because they want the character to look like like quote unquote a man in a dress not like a drag queen so are they the butt of the joke then even though the 100% yeah this is the thing if it was announced that a theater was doing an all-white version of The Wiz, Mm -hmm. there would appropriately be an uproar. Yeah. We should hold everything to the same standards. There's been a lot of outcry at pantomimes, I've noticed this year, where a lot of people are saying, no, this is is not okay. Stop Asian hate. Yep. Shows like Aladdin as well. Mm -hmm. They are still a big part of the conversation. But yet... It feels like when it comes to LGBTQ plus performers, people don't have the same outcry that they should. Mm -hmm. And is that because it's not as easily noticed? It's not as visible. Mm -hmm. It's wrong. And like you say, I in no way, shape or form endorse a show that thinks it's okay to marginalise a group of people Mm. in this manner yeah i think going into this show it's going to be interesting to talk about and i guess it's like we had to do with carrie last week is we have to almost distance ourselves from the controversy and talk i don't think you're going to be able to no but i think in terms of looking at the narrative more so than anything else and the set pieces knowing full well that any review we give feels like should we just write this off now because we know that what they've done here is the casting is wrong right Mm -hmm. so i feel like in terms of reviewing this we've got to talk about a lot of the other stuff but bearing in mind that we can't go into this without saying the casting is wrong yeah and is not acceptable but if the casting was right here's what we think of the show does that make sense 
you can. I'm not going to be able to do that. No. And that's only because I know what the plot of this is. No, but well, that might change as, as time goes on. But I think in terms of my review, that's what I'm going to have to try and do. Mm. But before we do head off to the theatre, I think that's a really important note to end on is you cast the right performer for mm-hmm. the role. Yeah. It's not a gimmick, as has been said in the past. You can look at a show like Bed Knobs and Broomsticks that has a hundred percent cast the right people for the right roles mm-hmm. and it's in no way, shape or form gimmicks. It is casting the right performers. That's what we need more of in yeah. theatre. It's not like we don't have trans or non-binary performers out there that could excel in these roles. And for the producers to say that we looked to get the right performer, but there was no one of that talent, Mm -hmm. for me, then you don't do this show. Yeah. It's that simple. If you can't cast it right, why would you do it? Yeah, 100%. So... I'm a little less enthusiastic, a little less excited to go see this one now. Sorry. But uh, we are off to the theatre. Yes, indeed. And we will be back to discuss Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, after we've gone west and come back after the intermission. Humidity's rising, barometer is getting low. According to our sources, the street's the place to go. Cause tonight for the first time, just about half past ten, for the first time in history, it's gonna start raining men. It's raining men. Hallelujah, it's raining men. Hey man, I'm gonna go out to run and let myself get absolutely soaking wet. It's raining men. Hallelujah, it's raining men. Every specimen, tall, blonde, dark and lean, rough and tough and strong and mean. We are back. We sure are. We have gone west. Mm-hmm. We have climbed a mountain dressed like Kylie. Sure. And we are now ready to talk all about Priscilla, who is not a drag queen, but is a van. <laughs> the queen of the desert. Yes, indeed. Priscilla the tour bus. The tour bus is one of the best, like, parts of this like just how like multi-use mm-hmm. it is i think that's fantastic yeah for a show that takes place almost entirely traveling in a van it is very very well done. yeah the sense of journey is fantastic i think that this is a show that i enjoyed more for seeing live would not have enjoyed if it was like a pro shot 
You know, like if we were sat watching something on YouTube or sat watching a DVD of this, I don't think I'd have enjoyed it in the same way I did. I think this is a, you have to be there feeling the energy in the room. Mm-hmm. Super interestingly, just a, a, to mention what the atmosphere was like at the version that we saw, um, it was predominantly people older than us. Yes. There were very, very few people there who were younger than we are. I'm 26. So <laughs> this had a huge audience of middle-aged women and then elderly people yeah and going into that i had exactly the same reaction that i did when i went to see kinky boots live which was oh no they think all of this is really funny yeah and it's not being taken as seriously as it maybe should be because going into it i know what the plot of this is so I was like, oh, God, okay. Well, this is it. There's certainly some bits we'll talk about where the audience reaction was is... Was not the correct one. Yeah, and it's incredibly uncomfortable as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts with a nice overture. Yep. I think it's high-octane and flashy, mm-hmm. which is really nice. We have of... the lovely curtain down with the map of Australia. Yep. I like that. And then we go straight into Hallelujah, It's Raining Men did not know this song was in it very glad it is i love it's raining men i know <laughs> that goes back as far as uh bridget jones 2 jerry halliwell's version adore that version sure my mum was obsessed and so that. was i love it so yes yeah, so we meet mitzi mitosis yep which is tick yeah our main character yes anthony bellows <sighs> I don't get Anthony. As a character. Just generally. like The way they introduce him is super weird, isn't there's it? There's no context. We're just thrust into the middle of it. No, but the, the way he is when he arrives. So we're introduced to this attractive young man. Everybody around him knows him. He's got his sunglasses on. He's late for his performance. Yeah. Like, he seems like... The kind of character who's going to have his like pride comes before a fall story. Yes, line. that's who we're introduced to, and then he immediately goes into his dressing room and is like, "Oh no, actually, I'm an anxious soft boy." And I was like, "Okay." Well, this is it. So during it's raining men, does Tick? So Tick arrives at the club. Mm-hmm. We meet Misunderstanding, which is a great drag name. Yes, indeed. Tick quickly runs off stage, and then someone else comes on. Is that supposed to be Mitzi Mitosis that comes on? At the end, tail end of its raining men. With the puppets. Yes. Yes. So Tick does come, but then yeah, you're you're right that when we see in a moment Soft Boy backstage, it doesn't work. The thing is, this whole opening, whilst it is all flash, mm-hmm. it doesn't really make any sense. It is just designed to get us engaged with the opening. It's a fun, high energy number, but it doesn't tell me anything about these characters. Yeah. We do get a fantastic performance from Misunderstanding. Oh, yes. He sings, is it What's Love Got To Do yeah. With It? It's so funny. I think this is great. It becomes a drag show. So this is like School of Rock with the opening of the uh, 
the play with no vacancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's misunderstanding not... is making fun of the audience and there's interactions and it's cute. Yeah, and this is designed to not just be like a number, a musical theatre number. This is designed to be a drag show. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked really, really well. I'll be honest, I could have done with more of misunderstanding. I know, right? Like way too good a character just to be used here and then never seen again. Yeah, because she's functionally our MC here. Yeah, I think it's a shame that this is it for them, but I think this is a really great little number and it's fun. It gets, you know, what's love got to do, got to do with it, but in mm-hmm. a fun way that fits the world. Yeah. Misunderstanding leaves the stage. We've kind of had a chance to laugh and get to know the character and we go backstage and we see Tick. Mm-hmm. We learn that Tick has a wife and a child. Mm-hmm. Still refers to... Marion as his wife. Yes, they are still married. Okay. Now. Because it, it is... We said this when we came out of watching it, actually. It is worse for Marion to be a divorced single mother... Yes. ...at the time, whatever fictional time period this is set at, that than it is for Tick to be a gay man married to a woman. Now... However, <laughs> my problem with this is there's not enough exposition in the lines to get clarification. I had to ask you at the interval. Right. This is my <laughs> my number one gripe as a queer person is that because this story is being told about Tick and that they have this character say that they prefer not to use labels. That's fine if your other characters are okay with that. However, they follow up Tick saying, oh, I don't know, I don't like any of these labels, with the other characters being like, no, you can't have it both ways. You have to pick. Yeah. That's just biphobia, regardless of whether or not Tick himself identifies as bi. However, he is clearly not straight. Yeah. We are led to believe... He's not straight. However, he is attracted to his wife and they have a child together. Yeah. Or at least at some point he was attracted to his wife. He never mentions it as being like a mistake. Like or other a phase queer shows. Or anything. Yeah. Well, like you haven't seen The Birdcage. No. The the movie version. I've is, seen the movie version. Yeah, The Birdcage. The stage show is Lacage Fall. One of the characters in that has a son who he had with a woman. And it was in his straight phase where he thought he was a straight man and he was trying to overcompensate for it. And that is actually discussed in that show. Yeah. And they talk about it and he's like, no, I was wrong. Like, it was a mistake. But out of that mistake, I got the best thing in my life, which is my son. Like, fantastic. Really well talked about. Yeah. For a show that has a lot of other problems. Whereas here, they're just like, oh, no, I just don't like labels. But this is the thing is... I feel like something needs to be done just because you're going to make an assumption that all the drag queens are gay. And there are plenty of straight drag queens Mm. out there. But for me, I was thinking going into going, okay, he's not gay. And because a big gripe that Tick has with this lifestyle is the harassment from audiences. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't sure if that came from a straight man who cannot cope with being called gay. Yeah. Or if that was a gay man dealing with homophobic abuse no it's definitely a queer man dealing with homophobia 
but we don't know what his specific sexual orientation is because he doesn't want to explore it. Yeah. Which, considering that one of the authors of this is gay, maybe that's his experience and he's just written it into the character. Well, he, he came out in 2012. Well, so maybe at the time this was written, obviously we can't make guesses about somebody's no. actual coming out story, but, you know, that's the kind of thing that I would expect. Yeah. In the same way as The Matrix is a trans allegory, but we only know that now because the authors have now come out as trans. Yes. So, Tick is struggling in communication with Marion and she wants him to perform at her business in Alice Springs. Which is basically in the middle of nowhere. Yep, and a big part of this is because their son, Benji, wants to meet his father. Mm -hmm. And we get the sense that Tick is a little scared by this. Yeah. Mostly because... I I took it to mean it's I feel like that's confirmed later on is it's what will my son think of me this isn't a conventionally masculine profession I don't want to let my son down Mm -hmm. so Tick is really struggling with their sexual identity and I guess the gender politics of their career Mm -hmm. and you know that whole being a father whilst also being a drag queen yeah. Two worlds that aren't usually intertwined. I don't feel from this point onwards until the end of the play, this gets picked up on or talked about all that much. Mm-hmm. And I wish it was. Because Tick feels quite happy-go-lucky through the rest of this, considering there's this big like anxiety the closer they get yeah. to Alice Springs. But I like this instantly. I'm like, okay, I can get on board with this idea. You know, being a father is already quite difficult as a concept. You know, like, what is it to be a father? Yeah. I don't feel he's ever been around Benji. This would be the first time they meet. So Yeah, he was around when he was born, but they had sort of split at that point anyway. Yeah, and we get this through, I say, a little prayer. Which, right, this is one of my... Not gripes, because I enjoyed it. (laughs) But I think one of the issues that comes up over and over again with jukebox musicals, especially embedded jukebox musicals, where the characters are singing these songs from the heart. You know, this is his thought process. It's not like he's singing a cover right now. Yeah. Is that they never integrate the songs well enough. No. So he like stops talking and pauses and then goes, the moment I wake up. <laughs> and I immediately laughed because I was like, oh, great. This is awesome. But it's because of Glee. It's Glee that has ruined this It is. Me. But even with things like Rock of Ages where you watch it and they're suddenly singing songs you know. Yeah. Like, we built this city. It's just silly. Yeah, I love that in Rock yeah, of Ages. Same. I lo- and I love that in Jukebox musicals. But I think when you're going for something that's more heartfelt like yeah. this. It... And I loved it in this. It was really funny. But that's but not the it vibe. It wasn't supposed to yeah. be funny at this moment. It's supposed to be heartfelt. But all it conjures for me is Rupert Everett in My Best Friend's Wedding, where they're all sitting at dinner and he just starts singing Say a Little Prayer for You. And it was absolutely hilarious. That is not to say it wasn't well performed. It was very well performed. But I had a good giggle at every time somebody in this show started singing. Which way around is it? Is it diegetic or non-diegetic? 
If it's your internal monologue. If it's your internal monologue, then it's non-diegetic. Diegetic is when everyone else can hear it. Right. Yeah, so I had a good laugh every time somebody singing a non-diegetic song started yeah. with, like, the intro to something. Because, like, imagine if somebody was singing, like, their truth and they start singing It's Raining Men. And yeah. the first line they sing is, temperatures rising. And you'd just be like, okay. Yeah, you start laughing. <laughs> I believe you. Tick makes the plan. They are going to go to Alice Springs and then hatches a plan to reunite with Bernadette. Now, had they worked together in the past, they talk about how, like, we... Very much like School of Rock, like, we can relive those days. Mm-hmm. But is it just somebody that they've worked with mutually or is Bernadette... A bigger deal to Tick. I mean, based on the context clues we're given, Bernadette is like Tick's drag mom. Yeah, it feels like that's not the way I want to describe it, but that's a thing. But like... but it feels like what they they're hinting at is they used to be an act together, but they've gone their separate ways. Because Tick is a big deal, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, because Misunderstanding says to Tick, like, oh, if you leave, who am I going to get on to perform? You have to stay and perform. But that's it. it. There's a lot of this that I don't actually know too much about this world. And it's going by things very quickly with, like, flashy, great dance numbers. But, like, not so much substance. Mm. So I got the sense that Tick wants to reunite with Bernadette because they used to be this great act together. They've lost a third, so they have to gain a third. But they used to be this huge act, like, five years ago. They've fallen mm. by the wayside. Mm-hmm. But that's maybe me just piecing A and B together when there is no concrete link. Yeah. Do you now see what I mean? Yeah. About what they want Bernadette to look like as opposed to having a trans actor play this yeah. role? Absolutely. Because they 100% just want Bernadette to look like a man in a dress. Yeah. Like, that's what they're going for. And well, I don't think there's any way around that. Let's cut forward to the curtain call for a second. Because mm-hmm. nothing sums that point up better than the fact that all the queens that, you know, f- that we followed, mm-hmm. their wigs are off for the curtain call. Yeah. And we can very clearly see that Bernadette was a man in a dress. Yes. Now, I wouldn't have an issue with that if it was a non-binary actor in the role. Or if Bernadette at any point beforehand had taken her wig off. Yes. But her wig is her doesn't hair. seem like a wig no, the whole it, time. It's supposed to be her hair. Exactly. And I feel like that is an issue. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can 100% see that what they're going for is a man in a dress. Yeah. Because this isn't a drag queen, the Cajo Falls style. Like, I'm going to compare it to that a lot. I know you haven't yeah. seen it. But it's it does a lot of similar things. But Cajo Falls the end of the big performance is pretending to be a woman the whole time to for plot related reasons rips her wig off and is like oh no they were a man the whole time yeah they identify as a man bernadette is a woman so this is the thing had you not told me yeah it would have taken me a lot longer to understand that bernadette is a trans woman because there are lines about it but at this point i would have just assumed that bernadette was another drag queen Mm -hmm. that just happened to be dressed as their persona for this funeral the whole time yeah so bernadette's husband has just died yes trumpet a a young man who do you remember how trumpet died i don't know we find out later tick thought that 
trumpet had fallen in the bathroom, like slipped and hit the head or something. But actually what happened was trumpet had uh, been peroxiding their hair. Oh, and yes, passed out from the fumes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were a lot younger than Bernadette. Yes. They were like in their 20s. Yeah. The song that accompanies this funeral is Don't Leave Me This Way. Yeah. Which, again, feels too tongue-in-cheek to take it seriously. This isn't a serious, like, case of dealing with actual grief. Yeah, well, we also have, like, Bernadette looks genuinely upset when everyone's dancing. Yeah. And is, like, standing there grieving. You have a fantastic priest, who I believe is played by the same actor who plays Bob, and is a little bit overwhelmed by, like, why is there so much glitz and glamour? This is a funeral. But then gets well. into it. Yeah, and he's joining him with the dance. And I do love all the sequin, like, funeral garb. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, it just feels like they're undermining a very serious moment in Bernadette's life. Yeah. Bernadette does agree to go with Tick. Questions who their third is. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit of, like, nice humanising moments where they talk about their relationship. Yeah. And yeah, questions who will be the third? Yes. So Tick has asked his friend Adam to come and join them. Yes. Adam's stage name is Felicia Jolly Goodfellow. Which is a great drag name. Another excellent drag name. This is the worst character yeah. in the show. Not the performance, because I actually think oh, the actor did a really yeah. good job of making me hate him. But... The character as a person, despite all the things that I knew he was going to go through later on in this show, yeah. despite the fact that Bernadette forgives him later on in this show, I don't care. <laughs> you can't make me like this character. Well, Nick Hayes, I think, does a fantastic job with this. Mm. Absolutely brilliant job as Felicia. I feel like the character goes through an arc, and I'm okay with the arc, because it feels like they definitely... They don't learn anything. I feel like they do learn things, but... Not about Bernadette. No, no. And there's definitely some things we'll talk about, but they definitely feel like they're a better person by the end of this than they were, even if it's only by like 5% better. Mm-hmm. So I like Felicia's costumes. Uh, for me, it was thinking like bondage Tinkerbell slash yeah. Xena warrior princess. One of the things I quite liked about this, and this is when I started to figure out what the deal is with the divas, mm-hmm. is we start with lip syncing. Yes. So as Felicia starts performing, they are lip syncing mm. uh, to Venus Material Girl. Yeah. But takes over. And the divas work because a big part of drag, I, I, I've got very limited knowledge of drag, but... I understand that a lot of drag performances, and from this especially with Bernadette later on. Well, I think we all know... Lip sync. You lip sync for your life. Yes. So there's that lip sync element, but what you've got the sense of, and this song does a really good job of setting it up, is the fact that you have got... Bernadette is old school drag, Mm -hmm. where you are a classy woman who lip syncs. Yeah, classic drag, yeah. Yes, you've then got Felicia, who is a new diva, where it's, I do everything myself, I will sing, I will dance, I can do everything. Yeah. And then you've got Tick, who's kind of this bridge between the worlds, which is a nice dynamic between the three of them. And Tick's drag style as well is very costumey. Yeah. 
uh, comedy. Yes. As well. So you've got three different kinds of drag going at the same time. Yes. I like this as a number. I think it's a great like introduction to Felicia. Uh, and I, I like that it really sets about the rules of like the drag world as well. Mm-hmm. Bernadette does not like Adam. No, there's an immediate dislike because of the shaft style. You're not like a classic performer like me, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a there's a disrespect from Felicia towards Bernadette. In terms of, I guess, the you're not paying respect to the people who paved the way for you mm-hmm. type thing. It's like, yeah, you're old. I'm what's in now. There's obviously more that we'll get to in a moment. But there is this instant dislike. And they, they, they throw these, like, nasty comments towards each other. But in a way that does come across very drag. That they're, like, these nasty catty comments. Yeah, it's the whole thing of, like, oh... Um, like reading each other, yeah, which is a phrase I know exclusively from RuPaul's Drag Race. But yeah, they are essentially it's it's playful enough at this point. at this point. Yeah, I'm not. Talk, we'll talk about the specific comments in a bit. Mm. But at this point, it's very much like, oh, who did your makeup? You look like you've been dragged through a tree. Yeah, you know, like those kind of comments that are just like catty but inconsequential. Mm-hmm. We get go west. Which is a really fun number. Yes. They they sing Go West to facilitate the arrival of the budget Barbie camper van. Which is Priscilla. Priscilla, yeah. Which Oh my fate this is this the thing that annoys me about Adam is he actually has some really good lines. Yes. So they say to Adam How did you get You this? were supposed to rent this. Why did you buy it? How did you get it? And he says, Well, I just rang mummy. And I told mummy that maybe if I could go on this trip, I might meet a nice girl and get over this little phase in my life. Yeah. And that is like, yeah, not bloody likely. Yeah. But, and there's the three weird Swedes in there as well. Yeah. Adam's boyfriend dish boys. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, was, that was weird. That the, was like a weird The thing is, for, for a show that is a, supposed to be representing the marginalised. Yeah. The use of stereotypes is quite harmful in this consistently. Yeah, and we're going to get onto some like specific racism later, but yeah, but well, and homophobia. Mm. But here it's just a weird like stereotype that I question why. What purpose does it serve? Yeah, I don't know. But we learn that Felicia wants to climb a sacred rock in full showgirl gear to sing Kylie. Yeah. And yes, they start travelling. I love the way Priscilla gets built. So we've already seen parts of Priscilla. For instance, Tick's changing space backstage is actually a segment of Priscilla. Yeah. I think it's very, very cool that they can then put these together to build this amazing camper van that you can then turn it around so you're facing it head on, you see the drive, or you tilt it to the side and you see inside the camper van. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really, really awesome bit of set piece. I love the multi-purpose, but I just love the sense of building it and the travelling that we're going to get in a moment. Mm-hmm. This is a fun number. It's it's definitely the most kind of upbeat number we've had so far that is also good for plot. Yep. Because as much as I loved It's Raining Men, not really got much to do with the plot. Mm-hmm. What's love got to do with it? It isn't really a song. 
you've got Say a Little Prayer, which is very downbeat. You've got Don't Leave Me This Way, which is a little bit downbeat as well. You've got Venus Material Girl, it's just an introduction. This is your first. And it's amazing that they managed to turn Go West. Yeah. This really, really silly song into this big deal. So I was really impressed with that. Mm-hmm. So they start travelling. And I like this. Priscilla's just stationary. And then uh, as Felicia and Tick are gossiping, others move. So oh we God, see the, a, kangaroo. the kangaroo gets shot. Is somebody in like the world's worst kangaroo costume it yeah. doesn't look realistic it's like a onesie yeah and they bounce on as a kangaroo and then get shot and wheeled away yeah and then, and then there's a surfer in a thong yep and then there's a nun who flashes them yep which is very very weird yeah but so this is where i and we talked about like the anachronisms so this one for me isn't just the song they're gossiping about which sort of kylie felicia's gonna be mm-hmm and the fact that Felicia's referencing types of Kylie that exist from the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, for for instance, uh, Can't Get It On My Head, Kylie. Mm-hmm. That is different than just singing songs that shouldn't exist. They are talking about styles and like phases of someone's career that shouldn't happen yet. So for me, this firmly embeds this show now as happening in 2021. Yeah. Which makes the rest of it even worse. Mm-hmm. I would rather we get rid of these anachronistic, like have it be which Madonna do I want to be or which other insert diva here. Yeah. And have it set in the 1980s or early 90s. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to find out when it's actually supposed to be set. I think it's supposed to be. I do think it's supposed to be a timeless thing. It came out in the 90s and it feels very 90s. Yes, but this is it, is the fact that they are like, can't get you out of my head. And talking about dressing and doing that dance move. Yeah. Which was like 2001, 2002. Yeah. Well, it's supposedly supposed to be the 1980s. Yeah, so it's not. And for me, that I think is an issue with, with this now is the fact that in my brain, I see this as current day. Mm-hmm. And if it's not supposed to be, then that as a reference doesn't work. Yeah. This is where Felicia, no matter what their arc is, does become a character that I am no longer invested in or I really dislike. I guess they do better by the end. They don't. But at this point, Felicia and Bernadette start having a disagreement again, which results in Felicia making transphobic comments and dead names Bernadette, Mm. which is not acceptable. Really horrible transphobic comments about like specific body stuff and the dead naming is just unnecessary. This is where... And like Bernadette gives back as good as she's getting but making comments about dad and yeah but i mean it's not like bernadette starts the comments this is a this is a adam just being a little i'm not gonna finish that but yeah for no reason it's uncalled for and this is where unfortunately this is the first point in the play where for me it's become abundantly clear oh bernadette isn't a drag persona bernadette is the real them mm-hmm. 
and that is where it really if you had no idea going into it this is where you know for sure yeah so the other thing that happened when this was happening was adam gets a few sentences in before bernadette says anything and the entire time he was talking and making these comments the audience was laughing yeah and that's incredibly uncomfortable it's super uncomfortable because all that tells me <laughs> is that the people around me are transphobes yeah. because they think it's funny to dead name people. Like, I, I honestly do not know what the director intended for this. Like, was this, is this moment supposed to be hateful? Is Adam supposed to be being a transphobe? Because he is, but I don't think that's what they intended. I think whoever directed this or whoever decided that this is the way it was going to be was like oh yeah they're just making catty comments at each other and didn't think the consequences do you think that this is it the director would have made a bigger deal to read those lines and think about the subtext if we had a trans performer playing bernadette because they'd think oh hold on a second this really isn't appropriate because do Mm. do you know what i mean like it's it's that kind of but it's okay to say it because it's a man in a dress yeah but it's not, and this this is the issue. It's not okay, uh, especially. And we've talked many times on this podcast that if you want your audience to have a certain response, you don't get that. You failed. Mm-hmm. If you want your audience to laugh and we're not laughing, you failed. If you want your audience to be sad and we're laughing, you failed. At this point, I don't know what they're going for, but the laughter certainly shouldn't be it. So yeah. yes, Felicia is a lot less likable than they were before i just don't think there's any need for the transphobic comments at all yeah felicia can make comments about age you know and just maybe rub a little too close to the surface Mm. that triggers bernadette to maybe say her comments i think especially with the amount of transphobia there is in the world today you shouldn't have it coming from one of your main characters here. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. And I am going to say this now. It is going to be a little bit of a spoiler for later on. Yeah. I feel like I, this is in the film as well. So later on in the the show, Adam is sexually assaulted and Bernadette is the one that holds him and helps him through it. And they sort of deal with it together. Is that his comeuppance for being a transphobe? Yeah. Because I'm sure that's what all homophobes fear the most, is being sexually assaulted by a man. But, like, is is that the outcome of being a transphobe, that you get sexually assaulted? Is that what I'm supposed to take from this? Because that's essentially what it is. That's it's not the moment like... where, where Adam realises I've gone too far. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was wrong. I should change the way I think. But yeah, that doesn't feel right. Like, that's not the way that he needs to come to terms with it. No. And it's better that they didn't have that happen to Bernadette because that would be infinitely worse to watch. Oh, yeah. 
But well, especially because everything Bernadette's done has definitely encoded her as a character we like. Yeah. Whereas Adam sucks right from the first moment we meet him. But you, there's an element of arrogance of youth, the innocence of youth, you know, versus full-fledged transphobe. And that's what we should have is Adam should be this character that doesn't appreciate those who paved the way for him. But it's not made clear enough. No. and But that's what his arc should be, mm. is that he grows to respect Bernadette as a peer... As opposed to, well, you're old. Yeah. I'm what's new. There's mm. a reason that I'm the one in demand and you're not. As a, you know, and then at the end, it's no, we're equals, and I should have been more respectful to you. Yeah. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be about transphobia. So, also they bicker. Tick intervenes, says we shouldn't be doing this, and they start playing truth or dare, and this results in. Felicia and Bernadette learning that Tick is married, mm-hmm. which shocks them. Again, we get Adam making some quite nasty homophobic comments here. And then it, it, it stops short of Tick saying, well, I also have a son. Yeah. There's more of this Tick burying away why they're really going. Yeah. But it, he it, just can't deal with it yet though yeah i just but again it's it, it's up until where we actually meet benji this is this is it now we don't ever hear of like that i'm gonna meet my son thing again yeah not until they nearly get there and then he sings say a little prayer again yeah so yeah that's weird we need more of this plot it's like they completely forgot oh yeah he's got a son so because as a forfeit for not telling the truth, mm-hmm. they dare Tick to go out in full drag to the hottest venue in Broken Hill. And then we get I Love the Nightlife. And this song starts off funny because we have a larger lady being desperate for action but not wanting any of these men because they're losers. And they're like, also like a lot younger than her yeah and it's supposed to be like funny because look at her dancing around and her fake prosthetic boobs bouncing around the place Mm. and this just made me viscerally uncomfortable yeah well especially because then this character is going to become really really like nasty and homophobic transphobic yeah why are we I guess, is it the sense of we're lulling the audience into this full sense of security before this character shows off their true skin? But Well, we have this character immediately, as soon as she sees the queens, uh, shuts them down as like, we don't have anything for you here. We don't serve your kind here. And Bernadette keeps Bernadette persisting. roasts her. And all of the people who are also in the bar absolutely lose it they think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen that somebody could shut this woman up fantastic and so then they all join in and dance and perform and are seemingly accepted by everyone else there because all of the men at this bar get involved with the dance and are holding hands and dancing with the queens queens around and bernadette's having a great time yep and then the dance continues the lights go down at the back of the stage and they put the drop down. Yes. And then when it goes back up, the people who were dancing with them before are now holding a huge homophobic banner sign that then gets clipped into the side of the car. 
which is a fantastic way at showing like staging and adding it getting it clipped in oh yeah the fact that it like fits into the panels on the side is very very clever now i'm not opposed to seeing homophobia in films in theater whatever it's important obviously we talk about these things and right and you go from this high of this big song where people have accepted them they're all dancing and celebrating all night and then you suddenly light up on the f slur that is there yeah and what you want is for your entire audience to go silent well because the stage is silent as well yeah they've all gone quiet the people who are holding the banner who were dancing with them 10 minutes ago are all in silence yeah. they don't look comfortable the woman who was running the bar she's the one holding the paint can yeah she's the kind of instigator of this yeah and then we have adam tick and bernadette all stood there in silence just sort of waiting for it to be over yeah and as an audience that word is supposed to shock us out of the high that was just happening yeah except and Maybe this is just the audience we were with again. But there were people laughing at this. Yeah, and that was incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, our friends were sat uh, two or three rows behind us and they had two uh, women sat next to them who they said were in absolute fits of laughter while this was happening. I was like, "What? how can that possibly still be? Yeah. Unless you're a homophobe. In which case, why have you come to see this show? Yeah. Like, why would you go and see this show about drag queens if you think it's funny to call people the F-slur? Yeah. No, and it it is incredibly uncomfortable because this is a really powerful moment. And like I say, we need to be subject to this kind of abuse, like as a cis white male. Yeah. I've never been subject to any kind of racism or sexism or homophobia. Mm-hmm. But because our insert characters are Bernadette, Artic, and Felicia, we view the world through them. This is supposed to make us feel uncomfortable and is a safe way for people to experience this nastiness in the world. Yeah. But when you have the audience laughing, like you say, it says either A, we're sat in a theatre with a bunch of homophobes. Yeah. Or B, it missed the mark. Now, I think the staging of it was effective. Personally, I felt incredibly uncomfortable and kind of like, wow. Mm-hmm. I can understand the nervous laughter, but this it wasn't nervous laughter. You know, when you're confronted with something like we're teachers, we'll tell children off. We have to. It's part of our job. And there's nervous giggling when you do that. You know enough to know they're not giggling to undermine me. They're giggling because they're nervous. Okay, fine. This wasn't nervous giggling. This was... This was funny to them. Mm -hmm. Very, very uncomfortable. Well staged. Really powerful moment. Yeah. Just not the right audience response. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how you get around that because I think that's going to happen wherever you go. Because I don't, I know I've said, if you, like, I've just said moments ago, if you get the audience to laugh, you failed. I can't see another way for them to do this. Because I think it is done very, very well. Yeah. The whole juxtaposition of the moment and everything, it's just, 
we say this about a lot of shows that we see live, but like obviously you can't control your audience's reaction to things. But yeah. as an LGBTQ plus person sitting in an audience full of people who are laughing at transphobic comments and laughing at mm -hmm. the Fs that are being painted on the side of a bus of three LGBTQ people. Like, how is that supposed to feel other than horrible? Yeah. I know. It's... Sucked. It sucked. Yeah. Well, we have... Tick who really struggles with this more so than Bernadette and Felicia, mm -hmm. which, you know, again, that arc of Tick just feels like they're trying to do too many things with this character and not even focusing on one. Mm -hmm. You know, this weird like subplot of trying to come to terms with their sexual identity. Yeah. It, it gets dropped and picked up, dropped and picked up. It's not as consistent throughout. And, you know, cause we've had this throwaway line that, Tick is struggling to deal with kind of the heckling from the audience that this really does like throw them. Mm -hmm. Bernadette and Felicia just rally and we get them singing True Colours, which again, great song, but like you say, is when when they start, I see your true colours. And you just kind of want to laugh a little oh, bit because the first line in that is you with the sad eyes. Yeah. And it, it always is just like a that one made me laugh as well. Yeah. This next scene is quite fun. You know, you've got the, the big F you to the townspeople because Felicia is on this giant high heel on the top of the roof mm -hmm. and is singing opera, a lip syncing opera. Yeah. And as the town people kind of like, oh no, this is awful. Because it's in full drag. Felicia's having this great moment where it's a big like you're not going to pass down mm -hmm. my one issue with this is did we need the full song this went on a lot and because it is a slower number slower number but also no one's actually singing i don't think it's one of the divas singing because usually the divas came on stage to sing no one did it sounded like it was audio over the speaker system true colors no the um opera moment the uh, oh, Folly del Rio Vano e Questo. The Triviata, yeah. yeah. No, it's so it's Bernadette forcing Adam to practice his lip syncing because in their show that they're going to do at Alice Springs, yeah. they will be lip syncing, and so it's supposed to be coming out of the bus. Okay, like they've put the the record on, and uh, Felicia is up on top of the bus performing and being fabulous, obviously. But, so this is a moment that they, is here because it's in the film. Okay. And in the film, her outfit as Felicia is this, like, huge silver, like, opalescent train that flows oh, behind the bus. and the outfit here was fantastic as well. Yeah. But I think this only really works if you've got an actual van that moves. I just, they did a good job with, like, the choreography of the townsville being in slow motion moving. Mm. I just think it went on too long as a set. It went on a really long Yeah, time. because there's not enough like actual singing to justify it. But it's a nice little visual. I think it works. It just goes on too long. You know why it's here, though? Why? It's so that 
the ensemble can all go and get changed for Colour My World. Well, yeah, but the ensemble are on the stage at the same time, though, is this. Yeah, but not all of them. Ah, okay, so some of them are off, so that's what it yes. is. The ones that are the paintbrushes in Colour My World have left so that they can go and get changed. But I would argue, that's they, a big but I would argue they don't need to be on stage anyway. They don't need it because you've got true colours in the middle of this to stop them, that they can be using that time to go and get changed anyway. Yeah. It's a cool moment, and I think I just think it's too long. Yeah. Anyway, Priscilla breaks down. Yeah, Priscilla breaks down, and uh, Bernadette rings for help. And whilst they are waiting for that help, Felicia brings in this lavender paint to erase the vandalism. They're going to paint over Priscilla and make it. I like the way they say, if we're going to die at her in the desert, I'm going to make Priscilla a more fitting uh, epitaph for me than what it's currently branded with. Yes. So it's not lavender. No. It's like hot pink. Yeah. I mean, the song is just okay. I didn't really like this set piece. It just went on for me. And I thought it was a little bit silly with the the pencil costumes. So what used to happen, or what happened in the version of Priscilla I had previously seen, not the film, is the, the side of the bus is bulbs, light bulbs. Yeah. And they're not on the entire time. And then as they paint the bus, the bulbs light up hot pink. Okay. It's very cool and sparkly and enjoyable. Whereas at the end of this, the only thing that is pink is the windscreen covers and some panels. It doesn't feel like there's enough of a change because they've just literally flipped the panels that have the slurs on, turned them around, and now they're like sequined. It doesn't feel like a big enough change. No. But I just. The whole bus ends up being pink in every other version. And I guess. Maybe it's the limitations of doing a tour, but, you know. One of the other things, I think, because I don't know this song. I don't know this song. But I would say this is the first song. I mean, I don't know I Love the Nightlife, but that was energetic enough. But this is one of the first songs I don't actually know. I think this show is less fun when you don't know the songs. It's by Petula Clark. It's like a famous song. Yeah. It's not one I'm familiar with. No, me either. Yeah. It's from the 60s. It's just okay as a set piece. Yeah. But they have an argument. Bernadette and Felicia argue again. And we have this kind of like, well, and it gets to the crux of the issue of I'm new drag. You are old. You're out of favor. All you do is lip sync. And Bernadette is like, yeah, because there's an art to lip syncing. Mm-hmm. As everyone's in the van, Bernadette starts warming up and she does her lip sync to I Will Survive, which is fantastic. Like, I, I love the, the you know... Overacting the tongue, the neck, the, like... Everything about everything. it. Yeah. I think it's great. And then we have the transition into the full I Will Survive. And this is when we get... Do you know what I don't get with the show? What? How much more money would you make if you hired actual drag queens to play these characters? Like, famous drag queens? That'd be a nice like West End thing of a like a big, you know, residence at a West End venue, right? But then, would would it be seen as selling out from the drag community? Like, would you want to be drag queens who started out as West End performers? Or I, I don't know enough about drag culture. Unfortunately, it's something I really would love to get to know more about. Mm. Like, I find it fascinating. And admittedly, my entry level is RuPaul. But I'd love to learn more about it. 
Yeah. So I I can't comment, but I I just wonder if there'd be a backlash of like a you're selling out by taking a permanent residence. This isn't what drag is supposed to be. I feel like people say that no matter what you do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but yeah, it, you feel like you've got a really good solution there and cast drag queens. Yeah. But so this moment is where we have the aboriginal character come in so they're, 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 they're stranded in this sacred place they think they think yeah they're not 100 percent sure where they are and this man walks onto the stage dressed in full native australian garb yes he's got a spear he's on his own and they say he's chatting to them and being like oh you're the weirdest thing i've ever seen out here and bernadette says to him are we interrupting? So we don't want to interrupt something spiritual. Really nice, like really nice, like in terms of like I'm really sorry if we've we've you know got ourselves stuck on some sacred land and we're interrupting like a, a ceremony. I'm really really apologetic. Like and I'm... he's like, no, I just dress like this for the tourists, and then the tourists come in. Yeah, and and then he says because of the way that they're dressed because they were rehearsing yeah. to just pass the time. He says, oh look, it's the fabled rainbow snake of the outback and, they, and so they pretend to be the rainbow snake yeah and and it's a nice moment yeah. yeah i like it and then we have the interval that's it yeah you know a nice upbeat way to end with i will survive i know we meet our favorite character bob do they actually come out at the end yes then? bob comes out here he arrives and is like hey i got a really weird phone call i thought that was the start of act no, it's here because he okay. takes them to the bar for the start of Act 2. Yeah. So he, he introduces himself. He's like, oh, I'm Bob. And I got this weird phone call about a bus that's broken down and I was going to come and fix it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, saviour, we love you, Bob. Daniel Fletcher, I think, is my favourite part mm. of this whole show. So the actor who plays Bob, he's done a few like smaller roles here or there. But Bob, I will talk about this, you know in act two in a moment bob is the best most wholesome most brilliant character in this absolutely and probably is the only character i could actually play mm-hmm. in this but i quite like I, I would love to play bob anyway but bob is fantastic and daniel fletcher you did an amazing job so act two starts i think this is a really weak opening it sets a scene well but it doesn't get the energy back I don't really like the thank God I'm a country boy number. Yeah, this is a weird opening to act two. But it's more like stereotypes, you know, like. Yeah, it does feel like, okay, we've just seen this happen in act one. Exactly. We've had these characters. I actually thought we were back in this nasty place Mm. that the queens had kind of got away from. Yeah. I, it just felt like too much the same. Yeah. And yes, so we have Bob and Bernadette talks with Bob. We learn that when he was in Sydney, he saw her when she was young and we get a fine romance. Oh, he's cute. He reminisces about his time in Nam and very much his Miss Saigon life. Yeah, so <laughs> one of the things... That is actually super interesting about this show is that there is a review from when the film came out that is almost word for word exactly the same after this one came out. Yeah. 
because nothing has been changed since the film came out and the character Cynthia who is Bob's wife is treated horrifically as a character yeah this is a huge racist stereotype it's worse than some of the Miss Saigon stuff in some ways well because at least with Miss Saigon they weren't side characters they were the characters we were supposed to be following and rooting for yeah. we weren't supposed to find her annoying or she's, a hindrance to Bernadette she's the butt of the joke here mm-hmm. but again so this is another thing that very much sets it in place for me that this happens in the 80s or 90s because he's gone to Nam, and this is his wife that's come back from Nam with him yeah then there's no way they'd be they would be a lot older if this was set nowadays. Yeah. Obviously, Bob's quite an old, you know, an older man anyway, but not old, old. And Cynthia is But he's is only not... slightly older than Bernadette. Yeah, and Cynthia's not old either. No. But this shows that this has to be like the 80s, early 90s, as opposed to the 2000s. So they shouldn't be referencing all this Kylie stuff. Yeah. So the, the whole thing with Cynthia as a character, and I know she's going to show up in a minute, but we'll just talk about it now. The way that her character is portrayed, and I have a quote here, is that she's portrayed as a gold digger, a sex worker, an entertainer whose expertise is popping out ping pong balls. Yep, the ping pong champion. Yeah. It's the worst stereotype of a Filipino woman. Yeah. And it is something that was feared when the movie came out would lead to more violence against Filipino women. And that they were just going to like continue this horrific stereotype that was already being passed around and other reviewers said it's a pity that a film that's supposed to have a message of tolerance and acceptance for lgbtq plus people feels the need to make a racist and sexist stereotype yeah because the way that this character works she doesn't like bob it's not like Miss Saigon, at least in Miss Saigon, she's in love with the guy. Here, the reading between the lines version of it is supposed to be that this is a guy who would bring her back to Australia with her and then she could go off and make some money and do whatever she wanted because she's not in wherever she's from anymore. Because they, they make a lot of different stereotype jokes about her, but not all of them are Filipina jokes. No. She's also, like, implied to be violent. Like, she's banned from the bar because of the way she gets when she's been drinking. It's just manic depressive. Yeah. Which it's, is its own thing. Yeah, it's it, it's not nice. However, there is basically exactly the same comments made about this version. Yeah. Because they haven't changed anything. They haven't updated it. She also cheats on her husband for fun. She wants to have sex with all these other men. And it's such a horrific commentary on the way that a whole group of people are treated. Yeah. And this is the thing. I said this to you when we came out is I feel really bad that, you know, in an industry that maybe doesn't present the same amount of opportunities to Asian performers. This is a role perhaps the only role that they can go for and i have the same issue of book of mormon Mm -hmm. and i love book of mormon but it's not without its faults but when you've got you know some of the only opportunities for uh black performers on the west end is to portray these stereotypes of africans Mm. 
Well, at the moment, your choices are Book of Mormon, The Lion King, which is notoriously difficult to get cast yeah. in because the standards are like yeah. stupid high for dancing. Uh, I don't think Motown's on anymore. Got Tina. You had Hairspray, which has come off the West End now. That's touring, at least. Yeah. But th- this is the thing. I can't think of as many specific shows where Asian women have options. Certainly not in the West End currently. Yeah. And obviously the answer is, well, if an Asian woman is, is the right person to play this role and it doesn't matter the colour of their skin, great. Mm. But specific... Roles that are telling stories of Asian characters. Yeah. There aren't any. There aren't any. And this is this is one of your choices. And what makes it even worse is you could cut all of this. It doesn't matter. No. Bob could just be single. Yeah. And we will just never mention it. Yeah. And it, I just... I feel bad when performers feel like that's all they have. And you know, this goes back to the fact that one of the kids I taught a few years ago, one of the monologues I gave him to work from, he's like, can I play this? I'm not white like the character is. And that breaks my heart to think that... What play was it? Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. It breaks my heart to think that this is what people have to look up to is this is the only role i'll ever play Hmm. thank god for shows like frozen and we may not necessarily like it but cinderella where they are casting the right people for the roles yeah you know well think about yeah bedknobs and broomsticks yeah they just cast whoever was right for the role exactly race irrelevant gender irrelevant because they had a whole wonderfully diverse cast there which is what should happen with a show that is about a wonderfully diverse group of yeah. people. But they didn't do it. I know. And it's, it does really stand out as like, this is a this is a relic of the past. Yeah. That Priscilla can definitely work, but there's a lot of casting conversations that need to be had to make it work. And does Cynthia need to be in there? No, I would argue Cynthia doesn't need to be in there. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. But... Our first introduction, Cynthia. Cynthia is very excited for guests, has made lemonade, refuses to give Bob any. Mm-hmm. And again, we feel like this almost domestic violence thing is played for laughs as well. Because you feel like Bob is in a situation where he's belittled. He is a victim of domestic abuse, not necessarily physical abuse, but mm-hmm. certainly, uh, certainly verbal abuse. And that's funny. Yeah, you know, the audience laughing at this. It's not. But we go to the lip syncing of a fine romance. So we have Bernadette, Felicia, Tick, Bob and Cynthia sat at the front of the stage watching as behind the curtains we have young Bernadette. Now, I didn't know it was young Bernadette. I thought this scene went on way too long because, again, you've got our main characters just sat watching with a very quiet audio playing over this number. Yeah. It went on too long. I get that it's supposed to be a flashback of Bob reminiscing, but it wasn't clear that it was young Bernadette. Mm-hmm. More needed to be done. It wasn't a clear sequence. So far, Act 2 has not impressed me, has not got my energy up. But Bob has got them a gig. He says that he they, they can perform in this bar. T 
Tick feels nervous, so we have them backstage. Bob brings them beer, and we start to hint at this Bob Bernadette love subplot. Yes. We Why isn't Bernadette our main character? Bernadette should be the main character. Bernadette just is, at this point, the main character. Because, like you said before, there has been no mention now for about half an hour, 40 minutes, of why we're going to Alice Springs. Yeah. Tick hasn't really mentioned his wife since then. He hasn't brought his kid up at all. He's MacGuffin Tick. Yeah, he really is. It's the only reason we go on this journey. Yeah, is that he can meet his MacGuffin son. Yeah, who was adorable. Oh, yeah. And we'll get to Benji when we get to Benji. Mm -hmm. But this... You know, we get a very quick reprise of Thank God I'm a Country Boy because they're setting up. And then we have the performance from the Queens doing Shake Your Groove thing, which just feels off. Yeah. The performance, I, I feel like it's supposed to be a joke. Like this this is a performance is they are so far off the mark. They're not on the same page. They're not synced up to where they should be. Yeah. And it just, it leaves the audience underwhelmed and it gives Cynthia the chance to upstage. Mm-hmm. And upstage she does. I have to admit, despite the fact that obviously I dislike this stereotype, mm-hmm. I think Cynthia's performance of pop music is fantastic. I like, I forgot how much I like this song. Yeah. But I think it's a very confident performance with Cynthia strutting about the stage, completely owning it, which is what the queens have lacked. Mm-hmm. They don't have the same presence as Cynthia. Yeah. <sighs> The popping of the ping pong balls as a set piece, they've done a good job thinking about it. And I feel really bad for that one actor who he lifts Cynthia upside down and he's got a ping pong ball inside his mouth the whole time that he can then pop up. Yeah, it's well choreographed. That doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, it's well choreographed. It's a great song. And I think Cynthia as a performer rocks the song. It's just a shame to see that being the stereotype we're choosing to have here. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, it is played for laughs. Yeah. Which, you know, not a fan of that. But Bob isn't happy. We have this moment backstage where they're saying, well, why don't you come on board with us? You've told us that Priscilla won't make it. Why don't you come with us and you can help us if Priscilla continues to break down? Mm -hmm. He's invited on board. Um, I did, for all the criticism of the joke, I... I enjoyed the bit where Felicia was like, has tried to master Cynthia's trick and failed. You know, again, it probably shouldn't be there, but as a end to this sequence, it's a fun little joke. Yeah. And Bob sings the fine romance reprise, Mm. contemplating his feelings for Bernadette. And it just was... A really nice song, but I didn't like the fact that it was prompted by him staring at this ping pong ball that's just left on the floor from Felicia. It should have just been a sit down with the beer and thinking about this. Mm. I don't think that was meant to be there. Oh, no, because Adam drops it because Adam had it in his hat. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. That obviously is supposed to be there. Yeah, so it is supposed to be there. The voice is so much soul. And I really love this subplot between Bob and... They really made me care more about Bob in the like 10 minutes he's been here than, than any other character. Than Tick the entire time he was But on this stage. is the thing, and I tell you what I really like about Bob throughout this. He never once questions Bernadette on who she is. Yeah, he knows who she is. He 
accept her. Yeah, and I think that's great about Bob. There's no there's no moment that you usually get in in films or musicals where mm. there's a realization there's a conversation to be had. It doesn't matter. Bob is just like. No, Bernadette also doesn't do to Bob that she did to Tick. Question him on his sexual identity. Yeah. Tell him he needs to pick men or women and decide. Yeah. Like, why? We get the uh, road trip song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is really, really great. Yeah, you know, nice... I will say this. The actor who played Adam, Nick Hayes, is a phenomenal performer. His singing was great. He's like really, really talented, ridiculously talented. I wish I could go and see him in a show where he's not playing my least favorite character. Yeah. But he was fantastic every single time he came out on stage. Oh. He pulls so much focus and just seemed like he was having a really good time. The yeah, whole time. I think Nick Hayes is absolutely brilliant and and nails the role of Felicia. Mm. I think they're, they're a fantastic performer. It's just such an unlikable character. Yeah. Other things that Nick Hayes has done. Footloose in the West End. Saturday Night Fever at the West End. Legally Blonde at the Savoy. Was mm-hmm. in the original UK cast for the UK tour of The Wedding Singer. Yeah. Has done international tour of Mamma Mia. Did a UK tour of Fame. Was in Gypsy at the Cardiff Festival. Mm-hmm. So some really, really good, like, performances there. Yeah. So a really, really accomplished performer. I could 100% see them doing a really good job mm-hmm. in any show they're in. It, it's, it's a shame that the source material they've got isn't a great character to really do more with. Like, all the criticism of Felicia is not because of Nick Hayes' performance. It's just Felicia as a character. Yeah. So speaking of Felicia as a character, we've stopped in a bad area. Bob is going to get parts. It's strictly men only. Oh, the, the, at the bars around here, yeah. Yeah. And this isn't meant to feel like Bob is doing something seedy. And the way Bob says this isn't to try and demean anyone. Bob is very aware that I'm trying to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to... I, I need to get... Just look after yourselves, please. Yeah. So, yeah, trigger warning, I guess. I have a lot of feelings about what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, content warning, we're going to talk about sexual assault. So, if you want to skip over this, we'll probably only talk about it for a minute. Yeah. But I have a lot of feelings about what is about to happen because Adam specifically dresses up as a woman Yep. To go and convince a man to sleep with her. So, and this is done, we've got the number Hot Stuff. Which I hate that song. Oh yeah. my God. I started a riot in my drama school over that song. But we also have Adam, for some reason, something that's never been picked up on before, snort some cocaine before this. Oh yeah, that's never been mentioned before either. Literally never been mentioned before. I just sort of erased that out of my mind. So... Comes completely out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And yes, goes to this bar where Bob is and tries it on. Yeah. With one of the men. And. Who immediately assumes that he is speaking to a woman. Yes. Not a drag queen. 
Yeah. And because it's a very different. It's not Adam's normal drag queen. Yeah, look. it's it, it's a very different look to what we've had with Felicia. Mm-hmm. And Adam is specifically trying to pick this guy up to go back and you know sleep with him. And as they're dancing, his wig comes off. I'm not actually sure how it came off. I think the guy like went to yeah, pull his but the, hair. the wig was already coming off but i think that's part of it because then you had adam scrambling to to put it back on so. yeah he goes to grab it and the guy like freaks out and basically immediately starts beating him up saying making homophobic and transphobic comments and his mates help him like pin adam down yeah bob tries to help but also all the guys in this bar are like half his age well they've also knocked and thrown bob around the floor as well because bob is trying to stand up and do, you know, like support yeah bob says oh come on guys you've had your fun just like let him go but they've thrown bob to the floor as well yeah and he can't even get up now yeah and fortunately bernadette and tick arrive before the the worst can happen because what is going to happen is that the guy who Adam tried to pick up decides that, oh, well, hey, this is what you wanted, right? So yeah. he tries to sexually assault Adam while one of his friends holds Adam down. Yeah. Which is a really horrific thing to happen in live theatre on stage. Yeah, especially in this show. Especially in this show. I don't... Here's my question. Does Adam now get Bernadette more because he dressed up as a girl and went and tried to sleep with a guy and got assaulted as if he were a woman? Like, is he now more understanding of the female experience? What am I supposed to take from this? Because it's, it's really horrible to watch. It's really horrible to sit through. And again... There were people laughing yeah. and it wasn't that like nervous laughing where you're like, oh God, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I don't know what else to do. It was like proper, oh, this is so funny laughing. Yeah. And yeah, Bernadette makes short work of the guy, knees him in the balls and they take off very quickly. And Adam is having a full breakdown, which is an understandable response to what is happening. Yeah. Yeah, completely understandable. Meanwhile, Tick is being a horrible person. Yeah. Tick's immediate response to this is to turn around and be like, this is your own fault. Like, you were going to get in trouble. You dressed up as a woman and went round looking for someone to hook up with. Bob told you not to get out of the van. Yeah. You're an idiot. Yeah, it's that whole you were asking for it, victim shaming yeah. type thing. Which isn't appropriate. From a character who has been nothing but tolerant and understanding for the whole show. Yeah. So we then have, you know, they, they, they send Adam to bed. Tick's going to look after him. And we have this moment where Bob and Bernadette have a romantic picnic with champagne. And cake. Right. And oh no. I hate this bit. It's I'm, raining. I hate this bit <laughs> completely. Now, this part... is another thing where you, like, if you really wanted to streamline this show, you could just take the song out. So this is the thing is, Maybe it's partly because I've never heard of this song, MacArthur Park. I don't know this song. So the joke falls flat anyway, because I don't know this song. But 
they've gone off. They've had a romantic night together. We don't see it on stage, but they've gone off wandering. And then Tick comes out and sees there's cake left in the rain and gets really excited and it's sings like, about this it. This has never happened to me before. Basically, it's the equivalent of like if you were sat in a room and somebody called Michael burst into the room you were in and you went, Michael makes an end. Right. But that's, that's the thing. So this moment. <laughs> that's what it is for Tick. But this moment depends on me knowing this. Yeah. However, in a show where Tick as a character has had no growth, no depth, we're at the point where Tick is about to meet his son for the first time. And, and has just victim-blamed Adam for nearly getting sexually assaulted. And this is the song we get? Yeah. Could we not have a character moment where it's like, oh, I'm vulnerable. You know, you can have Natalie and Brulia. I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. Sure. You know, could we have something like that? But instead, we choose to have this moment. And I get that you probably need something lighthearted after what we've just seen, mm. but this falls flat. It's stupid. I didn't like it. I didn't like people coming out dressed as cakes. I just thought it was silly. Because we're so close to the end now. And this all has to happen in his head. Yeah. It just... Yeah, it's a weird one. It, it makes no sense. And it, I, I think it is very much that, that issue with the jukebox musical is you have to know the song to appreciate the joke. Mm-hmm. I don't know the song. I don't appreciate the joke. Anyway, song over. Yes, so they just get to the hotel in time. Uh, oh, Benji's there waiting. Yes. Um, and mum sends him inside. Yes, he. So, so Tick meets his son, is reunited with his wife. He doesn't want others to know about being a dad uh, and is eager for Benji to not be in attendance. Why? It's not been developed enough. We know why, but it just like. Yeah, it's, it's not clearly developed enough. And then in walk but, yeah, the queen. Bernadette and Adam come in and. Tick's like, this is my son, and Bernadette immediately faints, which I actually think is kind of funny, yeah. especially considering the last thing they said in their last conversation about this, which was at the start of it. was the like, show. you better not have a son you're hiding away as well. Yeah. Where else are you hiding from as a kid? And he's like, oh, ha, ha, you're so funny. Yeah. So, so, yeah. You know, it's a nice moment. Benji's, the actor playing Benji is so cute, and it's a really it's sweet so moment. Uh, and yeah. He was behind us after we left the show, paying for his parking ticket with, like, I assume his mum. Really wanted to turn around and be like, you were great. He was so great. He was great. He was so cute. He was. Uh, so they're getting ready to perform. We have Boogie Wonderland because another act is performing. And all of them are a little bit nervous because this is the big, you know, the big night they've all been waiting for. Yeah. And then we go to the this floor show. This is very well done. Oh, the, the floor, floor show is fantastic. So we spin around. So we're looking as if we stood backstage yes. looking out at them. And they have basically the entire ensemble in different versions of their costumes come out in threes to be their bags. Yes. And as that happens, they pull the curtain across so that it's a really smooth transition. And they've changed costumes. And all the songs are like sped up like mice. Like chipmunk versions, but they're all songs, they're all moments that we've already heard. I think this is a really nice way. It's very much again like no vacancy at the end of School of Rock where Mm. we're now It's better than doing a full medley of all of this stuff again. Speed it up, get through it. You wasted your time on MacArthur Park, so yeah. now we have to. I think it's a really nice montage effect. Yeah, you know, it's it's so difficult to do montage on stage, and I think they nail it here. Yeah, and we had the most wonderful ensemble member, who was the guy in front of the curtain. He's like the stage manager. Yeah, and he he's the one moving the the curtain along. Oh my such god, great energy! He was so funny. I believe it was Jack Allen Anderson. Yeah, who was also young Bernadette in the flashback 
bit. But oh my God, he was so great and so funny. Just dancing across the stage in that one part. Yeah. After the performance, they're all happy. Uh, like, we did it. Yay, we're, we're, we're stars. And we then learned that Benji was watching anyway. Mm-hmm. And with this really cute moment where he accepts his dad's sexuality and lifestyle. It's just like, you're my dad, yeah, and I'm proud really of you. He doesn't really seem to care. He doesn't care. He just was like, you are amazing. You're my dad, and I'm so proud of you. And for Tick, it's this really nice moment. I just wish we'd had more throughout to pay off this anxiety. Mm-hmm. Because it is a big deal. Yeah, this should be a big payoff. But it isn't. And it, it's really well delivered. But imagine if we'd had this constant thread throughout of like Tick being increasingly nervous to meet Benji. Mm-hmm. We have this cute moment where like Benji's like, will you tuck me in and read me a story, Dad? And Tick's like, yeah, I'd love to. Mm-hmm. And they have this moment where they read the story and we get a little bit of Elvis. You get always on my mind. I say a little prayer. Yeah, really... his Elvis impression for him. Yeah. Because Benji says, oh, do you do men too? And he's like, David Bowie. Yeah, I do an Elvis. Uh, I can do Elvis. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh, do Elvis. Edwin Ray's Elvis impression is, is very good. <laughs> yeah. That's Tick. So I, I like that. I thought that was good. Mm. And yeah, this cute little mashup of Always On My Mind and I Say A Little Prayer is really sweet because it's now Benji singing I Say A Little Prayer. Yeah. And they obviously have just had the same feelings the whole time. They've both been worried about meeting each other. Yeah. It's very cute. And then out of nowhere, we cut to Adam climbing this mountain and having Felicia achieve their dream. Yes. Of singing. his Kylie medley. Interesting note on Broadway. Mm-hmm. It is like a prayer. I love that. Song. It's a Madonna thing, and yeah. Madonna's who he looks up to. Now, as much as I love the Kylie jokes, and I said I wanted some Kylie jokes in this because of Australia, mm. I'd rather have Madonna and have it be time period appropriate than this anachronistic mess. Yeah. But I like the Kylie medley. I think it was fun. And then we see that after Adams performed his dream, the rest of the queens have all climbed up as well we get this nice amount of bernadette going oh i didn't realize it'd be so you know so many steps and so high up yeah they all talk about their plans for after alice springs realize they can't leave each other and they're all going to stay and they're going to be a hit here yeah and we get the we belong together do you know what happens in the film no i've never seen the film tick and adam go back to sydney yeah and they take benji with them but Bernadette and Bob stay and work at the resort. I prefer this ending. Yeah, same. Yeah, I like them all staying here. Because A, Tick taking his son away from his mother just when doesn't... he hasn't done any of the raising of this Yeah, that doesn't so feel far. right to me. Like, obviously, if, if they want to go out, he can go on a holiday away and go visit Sydney with his dad and do some shows there and come back. But mm. the whole permanent thing of like, well, you've had him for eight years, now I'm going to have him. Now it's my turn, yeah. yeah. I do like this number together. And we learn that Bob and Bernadette are going to give it a try. They're together. And I really like that. This just makes me think of Deadpool. Oh, no. This just makes me think of uh, Pitch Perfect 2. Because Amy sings it. Rebel Wilson sings it while trying to row a boat across the lake. And it is hilarious. Maybe that's where I I recognise it from. Maybe it isn't in Deadpool. I feel like it's definitely... I feel like it is in Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the ending song of yeah, Deadpool 2. it's like the 2. credit song. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So at this point, like, the joke, you know, it's not like this triumphant moment like it should be, you know, mostly because, like, I recognise this song. Yeah. And then we get 
the finally finale. Nice triumphant finale. Yeah, a nice medley of all the songs that have been here. Yeah. Right, so what is your best song? I have a best song for Act 1 and a best song for Act 2. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to do it. What are your, what's your Act 1? Right, Act 1 is Raining Men. Mm-hmm. It's a great, really nice way to like suck the energy in. As much as I really like Go West for yeah. the like, storytelling, Raining Men just hits me and gets me going. Mine's Go West. Yeah. Go West is good. Like, it's the second best song in Act 1. Yeah. Act 2 for me, I, as much as I don't like the choreography and I don't like what it does with the character of Cynthia, I loved pop music. Mm. It was the first big energy number we have in Act 2. Yeah. And I just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think I think if you removed the ping pool stuff and you still just had like his wife be this show off, this number can work really well because mm. it's like, you know, especially because it's showing that the queens are missing a step at this point. Yeah. What's your best song in Act Two? Mine is "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." Yeah. For me, that just felt all we belong. <sighs> Girls just want to have fun. Felt like it was just there because it had to be, as opposed to actually serving any purpose. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because it's such a great song. Yeah. What are your skip songs? My skip song from Act 1 is Colour My World. And my skip song from Act 2 is MacArthur Park. Because I don't know the songs. So I feel like the jokes are lost on me. But I just feel like they're filler and waste. I have an overall skip song. Yeah. Which is Thank God I'm a Country Boy. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's that's another... Like, I know the song MacArthur Park... So I thought it was a bop. I'm aware of Colour My World. Yeah. I liked it in the show. I would listen to that song again. It did kind of feel like the opening of like a 80s kids show. Yeah. But Thank God I'm a Country Boy is one I don't know. Yeah. And I, also was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I don't know it either, but I feel it at least sets the tone and serves a purpose mm-hmm. that the others don't. Yeah. My MVP is Bob. Aww. Daniel Fletcher, I think, is fantastic. I 100% agree with you. I love Bob. He was fantastic. I really liked Nick Hayes. I thought he did a really good job with his performance. Yeah. I think Nick Hayes is the best of the Queen characters. Yeah. However. But I don't like Felicia's character. Yeah. Nick Hayes did a really good job of making me hate Adam. Yeah. But I think my MVP goes to the ensemble this yeah. week because they carry this whole show. All of the background stuff with characters is fantastic. The floor show where you've got all of the ensemble playing yeah. them is hilarious and really well done. And the the level of dance in this show is so interesting because they bring so many different styles of dance into this one big performance, yeah. which is, you know, in true drag fashion. But yeah, I'm I'm giving it to the ensemble this week. Well, shout out to Tom Jackson Greaves, who's the choreographer, because mm-hmm. phenomenal, phenomenal choreography throughout. Uh, shout out to uh, Charlie Kusick Smith, who was the costume designer, because mm-hmm. I think the costumes in this are throughout amazing. Yeah, I really also like the set design. So congrats to Phil Daniels, you know, especially with bringing Priscilla together. I think there's some really great stuff there. I will go, you know, my, my performer that, that is my uh, MVP is Bob. Just because, I mean, there's a lot of times that Daniel Fletcher's on stage, but especially as Bob is their main role. 
Mm-hmm. It's just such a nice role to have, and it, it it's needed. You know, Bob is comparatively to everyone else is just normal. Yeah. You know, doesn't have a glitzy life, has a regular nine to five job, a life that they hate, and arguably is is a closer insert character for me than anyone else's because there's more about like Bob's lifestyle that I can resonate with. You know? Because mm-hmm. it, it feels like more accessible. It's your fears of having like a, a job that you hate or, you know, in a loveless marriage. Luckily, that's not what I have. I was going to say. You know, compared to the glitz and glamour of everyone else, mm-hmm. Bob is this this normal character. Yeah. It's not like Bob wants dreams of being on stage or dreams of accompanying them to be on stage. Bob just does it because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Bob has no selfish reasons for doing anything. And I like that Bob's nice dude, Bob's yeah. reward is this romance with Bernadette. Hmm. Which role would you want to play? So for me, it's Bob. I wouldn't want to be in this. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be in this if you paid me. I, Bob is the only role I, I feel I can play, and Bob is the role I would want to play. Mm-hmm. However, I think a, a more pertinent role would probably be to be like a script doctor. Yeah. You know, the role I want to play with this one is script doctor, you know, and and then possibly directing it and casting it appropriately. Mm. So I guess a producer role for me would be good on this one because it would. The thing is, there's been a lot of shows that we've talked about where we've been like, there's an inherent misunderstanding of the like queer culture around this thing. I mean, the prom is like the biggest one. Yeah. But when we did the prom, I was like, I would want to play Emma. I would want to play... Whatever Nicole Kidman's You'd want to be part of that story. I want to be part of that story because it meant something to me. And while you did have homophobic characters, they were the villains. Yeah. And <laughs> you didn't ever try to present any of our leads, any of our heroes as homophobes. Yeah. Like even Meryl Streep's character who woefully misunderstood the situation she was getting into, she was still wasn't a homophobe, you know? Yeah. But I don't I wouldn't want to be a part of a story that is supposedly for LGBTQ plus people that actually definitely sets us back a bit. And misses the mark massively and yeah. does more harm than good at times. Especially to the audience we was at with. Yeah. So I'm going to say for my star rating for this one, I'm going to give two star ratings. In terms of this performance, what we saw on stage, mm-hmm. I gave it three stars. I think the cast are fantastic. You've got a great ensemble. You've got some really, really good uh like creative personnel in the crew that have done a lot yes i think the biggest issue with this is the casting first and foremost so this production that we saw i'm going to give three stars i think the cast did a good job to priscilla the queen of the desert as a concept i'm giving one star i don't think it needs to exist in its format i think like you say it sets a lot back and could be a really empowering show. Had they thought about what it actually meant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is the script isn't there. The casting isn't there. There are too many stereotypes for this. The issue work. is, the final, final issue is that when the film came out, it was all the LGBTQ plus community could ask to see some representation yeah. in movies. And so films like Priscilla did very well because LGBTQ plus people 
saw themselves in these characters. Yeah. And that's all they could ask for because that's all you were going to get. And it's a movie with gay characters and a trans character who don't die at the end. They get happy endings. Oh, they get yeah. to live on happily with their family and be a community together. That in itself was amazing. But we don't live in the 90s anymore. Yeah. And now we need it. We to be... need it to be updated. And if you think you had a year to sort this out, you know. But there are more issues than just the casting at play with this one. Is The oh, casting sure. is a big issue. But, you know, I think if you cast it appropriately, you then realise the danger of keeping the transphobia in it from Felicia and you cut those lines. It needs extensive work to work as a property. So I, I give it one star as as a concept because you've got the skeleton of an idea that works, but there just needs so much more to actually make it mm -hmm. work. What did you give this production? One. One star. Yeah. Yeah. And that's understandable. I think it would be certainly have been lower than three stars. Like I said at the start, this is better in person. Had mm -hmm. it been we watched Priscilla the film or had we watched a pro shot of this, I don't think I'd have enjoyed it the same way. Mm -hmm. Am I going to enjoy what we watch uh, next week? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Super excited. We are going to the cinema this week as, as opposed to the theatre and we are going to be going to see Dear Evan Hansen. Cool. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have lots to say. Controversy loves company, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think this one is going to be more about um, production than yeah. plot. Although I have issues with the plot too. So yes, we love well, talking about the, the weird ones. I'm aware of some issues with Dear Evan Hansen. And I specifically have already formulated ideas based on what I know. <laughs> And I don't think I'm too far off the mark, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But we will talk about Dear Evan Hansen next week. Yes, indeed. You can, of course, get yourself involved in the conversation about Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and Dear Evan Hansen over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. And you can follow us on TikTok for all our musical exploits over on TikTok at It's a Musical Pod. You can also subscribe to us on a multitude of great podcasting platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Google Podcasts, we are on Spotify, we are on Stitcher, we are on the Amazon Music app, we are on Good Pods, and we are on our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like what we do, if you enjoy the show, why not head over to Apple Podcasts, podchaser.com, or to Good Pods, and leave us a review and tell us what you enjoy about the show. But until next week, where we'll be waving through a window... We'll see you same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday. <laughs>